It is the Super Clash Podcast, a podcast about shorter games. It is episode 64. I'm your host, Kale. Good evening, it's Connor. And Connor, how you doing, man? I'm alive. That's a thing. Yeah, it's been almost, well, it's been a week for you guys, uh, but it's been almost two weeks for us, I, I think. Yes. Yeah, we have, because we, we, cause we just got together for um that quick announcement recorded that i made then we just hung out yeah but <clears throat> but in these past two weeks man what have you been up to other than the things that we did together uh mostly uh, i had to travel for work so that was part of the reason why i wasn't able to play the games we needed to to talk about on the podcast yeah <laughs> uh didn't really have as much free time as i had hoped because Honestly, like the plane sucked because we were cramped little seats and like, you know, I was only on each flight for less than an hour, but I had to like make my way through an airport as well. So it's like I didn't really have a free time while traveling. And then at the hotel, um, most of my days went from like morning to sundown. And by the time I got back, I was just like, I'm going to pass out, mm. you know. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Man, sorry. <clears throat> you were the one saying I needed water. No, sorry. I, I I have all this phlegm from laughing. That's disgusting. At fuck off. At buff Pokemon that you just exposed me to. I didn't expose you to anything. Don't you tell that slanderous <laughs> lie. No, I have the hiccups. God damn it. But uh, during our break, though, we uh we did manage to go on. A couple manga hunts and watch a couple movies. We did, indeed. Part of our mini manga hunt, it, um, we went to, I guess, technically three. We went to one just one day, and then we went to two on a day where we went to go see um, the Teasing Master uh, Takagi-san movie, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about in a little bit. And I, I actually managed to get some pretty good uh, pickups. I picked up... Um, the Dangers in My Heart, Volumes 1 through 3, um, House Husband 4, and some new mangas called I Am a Cat Barista and Rooster Fighter. Nice. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. And for those who don't know, real quick, Barnes & Noble will have a shelf of books that are wrapped in wrapping paper, and all there is on a label is just like the basic concept of the book. To where you literally don't judge a book by its, by its cover. Mm-hmm. Well, they have this for manga, and so you went with your wife the other day, and I kind of uh, got my wife to to uh, pick some up as well. So long as I got her a a, uh, a manga that she's reading, and underneath that it was uh, the first volume of Blue Period. Okay, which I know nothing about. All I know that it's about some guy who falls into a painting. Or of some kind, at least I think. Yeah, I think there's a Netflix series too. Interesting. So it looks interesting. I'm in. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so let's go back real quick to um, we saw the uh, teasing master to, uh, to, uh, to I can never say it right. Yeah, you fail every time. I fail it every single time. I'm gonna say this very slowly. On the same day. We saw the teasing master Takagi-san movie. Go. Boom! <laughs> Jeez. I, I don't know why that's so difficult for me to say. I hear it. I heard it all the time in the in the uh, anime. you think I would learn it by now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that movie was amazing, though. Oh, it yeah. It was so good. And it also broke me. There were definitely some very like heart wrenching moments in it. It was probably if you combined all of the emotional scenes through all three seasons of the anime, it still was more emotional than that. I it think. was, and so the whole concept, uh, or at least what the movie was about, was basically you had three seasons of of these two characters. Um, coming to terms with how they feel about each other. The first season was just kind of a setup of how these characters interact. The second season was um, <clears throat> Takagi kind of testing the waters with uh, Nishikata, mm-hmm. like see how he reacts, try- trying to drop these hints with how she feels about him. 
Mm-hmm. And the third season is when he kind of admits he has feelings for her. Yeah. And this movie just kind of is all about them kind of kind of um, affirming their affection for each other. Yeah. And a lot of that was done through them finding a, a kitty. Mm-hmm. And so getting to be basically parents together. Exactly. And this is based and the whole theme of this movie, or at least one of the plot points of the movie, was this is their last summer before they go into high school. Mm-hmm. They find this kitty and they have a name for it. They try so hard to um, find a home for this kitty, which they name Hana, which means flower in Japanese. Mm-hmm. They spent almost the entire summer trying to find a home for it by taking care of it because um, Nishikata's mom's allergic to cats. And I think, uh, if I remember right, um, Takagi's dad had a bad experience with cats, so he doesn't like them. Correct, yeah. There's a scene with the cat where Takagi breaks down crying. And this is, I think this is the first time you actually saw see her crying, period. Yeah, you see her kind of well up with tears a few times in mm-hmm. the anime, but she never really like full on cries. Yes. And it's one of those things where like if Takagi cries, there's a really damn good reason for it. Yeah, and I think most of the theater was crying as well. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, felt, I felt a tear down my cheek. I'm not joking my eyes were definitely welling up i definitely felt it and the guy sitting next to my wife on on her other side was crying too but man that was such a good movie it felt really fast too hmm yeah i think it's just because honestly there was i felt like there was enough interesting stuff to keep you engaged Mm -hmm. it was already kind of a short movie anyway as most anime films are and, like, it, it definitely was something where it left you wanting more. So I think all those factors combined made it go by really quick. Yeah. So uh, that's that's basically all we have to say about that film. Connor, let's go ahead and talk about a less than stellar film, if you can even remember it. Prisoners of the Ghostland. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't remember that at all. I barely remember <laughs> it at all. All, all. all I know is that Nicolas Cage was in it. Yeah. And he gets his testicles blown off. I don't even think it's it's about us not necessarily remembering it. I don't think when we were watching it, we understood it. Like, I don't... That movie didn't make a damn bit of sense. No, it didn't. I don't even... I don't even know where to begin on it. <laughs> I don't even it's, know. <laughs> here's the thing. And we were kind of under the influence when we were watching it, which probably made it so much worse. Probably, yeah. That was definitely not a movie. You want a clear mind when you're watching it, if you want to even watch it. It's I wouldn't say to, but... Uh, to the point where, like, you made a joke that I wrote down, and I still think it's funny, sober, <laughs> um, where it's just like, they should call this movie Nick Cage in Things Are Happening. Pretty much, because I was saying that the entire time we were watching, I was like, well, things are happening... I don't know what's happening, but things are happening on yeah. screen, like, you know? <laughs> and and the sequel to that movie, even more things happening. Oh, they don't need a sequel to that. Oh, my God. I We got nothing, guys. We got nothing with this film. All we have to say is called Prisoners of the Ghostland. It, it stars Nick Cage. I went into this movie f- thinking I was going to get a silly, over-the-top movie because the DVD box art is him with a samurai sword. He doesn't use a samurai sword in the movie. Yeah, that threw me off. Because I feel like if you look at the case, which I think I have somewhere off to the side of there. I'm not going to grab it right now. But if you look at the case and you look at the back of it too, you're kind of under the impression that uh, it's maybe like a... Nicholas Cage is either like this samurai or he's like this... like Assassin. Yeah, assassin, a killer, something like that, right? Um... He's kind of like this weird prisoner in, um, which I mean, kind of is in the title, but he's in this suit where there's explosives strapped to various parts of his body that I was under the impression when they put that suit on him that if it were to go off, all of them were going to go off at once and just kill him. I, that's That was my impression, right? Mm-hmm. But in reality, apparently, different ones can just go off and it doesn't necessarily kill him because... 
they blew his balls off with one of them, right? Yeah. Which was fucked. So fucked. <laughs> Definitely didn't need to see that. <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting that. So I, I could not tell you what happens in the plot, though. Me neither. Me I don't neither. think I could tell you sober, though. All, all we'll tell you is that it's a movie that exists, and if you want to see Nicolas Cage doing things, check it out. Just doing things, yeah. Yeah. So tell me, though, Connor, about this film called Uma. Uh, okay. It is a film that uh, was actually kind of boring, I guess. And it kind of sort of falls in the horror genre, but it's it's not there's not a lot of horror to it. So was it on Shudder? It was either on Shutter or Netflix. I cannot remember which one I streamed hmm. it on. I okay. I started it before I went on the trip, and then I watched it before I finished the last like thirty minutes of it before falling asleep um, while I was uh, traveling. And so, the movie takes place kind of out in the rural country, and there is this uh, Korean woman and her daughter who appears to be maybe like half Korean, and. They live in this house where all of the electricity is shut off because the uh, mother has, I use this air quotes, this dis- disease where she's allergic to electricity. I'm sure you've heard of this before. You have not heard of this no, before? No, I have not heard so of it. So they, they've done this before in like Better Call Saul and a few other shows, but there's these people who genuinely believe that they are allergic to electricity. There is no scientific basis for any of this, but they will act like it's killing them when they see an electronic device, a light on, something like that. But typically speaking, if you hide an electronic device and they don't know it's there, they won't have a reaction to it. So it's clearly some sort of like... Placebo effect. Yeah, like a psychological thing, right? So anyway... You fast forward and you have this, the, the daughter is about to go into college and she's applying to all these colleges and she has to apply by typing up a letter to the colleges on a typewriter. And they work with this little shop in the town and they sell honey to this shop. Okay, so that kind of sets up the the backstory. Oh, and, and the mother's friends with the shop owner as, as you would expect and he comes and he'll pick up um, the honey and the uh, the girl will hang out with the the, the niece who is the, the sorry the niece of the shop owner. I'm a little all over the place, but the, the movie's kind of a little all over the place at times. Um, so the a Korean man shows up one day while the daughter is away and brings her mother's ashes as well as a few other belongings saying your mother has passed away and she has a very uh strange reaction to this she puts it down in her cellar and locks it up and and leaves right so i'm gonna kind of gloss over a lot of it because not a lot of it's important but you you find out that the mother used to be abused by her mother or uma is the korean word i believe and she harbors really negative sentiments towards her mother and basically does not want to become like her mother. And so she starts seeing and hearing her mother and she'll look in the mirror and half of her face is turning into her mother, you know, and you're kind of, it's kind of left up in interpretation if it's kind of like in her head sort of situation or if it is, um, you know, actually something supernatural happening. I kind of lean towards the it's all in her head because mm-hmm. it's clear that she already has some sort of mental issues to begin with. And so she starts acting out towards her daughter because she doesn't want her daughter to leave her all alone. She harbors negative feelings for her daughter because she thinks that she gave up everything for her daughter. She pulled her daughter out of school when she was being bullied, 
homeschooled her. Her daughter was interested in bees, so they created this this beehive, and that's where they make their honey from. And so she kind of was like, she's like, well, I didn't want to have to to homeschool you, and I didn't want to have to do this beekeeping, but I did it for you. You know, blaming a child for the decisions a child would make. You know, mm-hmm. like that's that's not really fair, right? And it seems like the theme of this film is generational trauma. Exactly, exactly. And so she starts pushing her daughter away to the point where her daughter runs away and goes to the shopkeeper. And he's like, listen, you need to you need to go talk to your mom. Like these are, you know, tries to work it out with her and he ends up bringing her back. But her mom has like completely gone off the deep end. And you are left to interpret it as if you believe it as a horror movie that the mother has possessed the the grandmother, I guess, would be has possessed the mother and is now trying to run the household like the grandmother would have. Mm-hmm. Um, psychologically, you could read it as the mom has a bit of a mental breakdown, and she really just becomes, out of anger and grief, she becomes that tyrant mother that it was, right? And so there's this big conflict that ends with the mother confronting the grandmother and saying it's not my fault that you had a bad life and you decided to take it out on me i was a child i didn't deserve the way you abused me and treated me mm-hmm. and has this coming to terms and then they lay the mother's ashes to the grandmother's ashes to to rest and the it's implied that the daughter ends up going off to to college at that point and you know it, the trauma has been worked through essentially. So it's not a bad film. It's just, it's more like a, like a character study. Yeah. Than like an actual horror film. Yeah. It, I feel like it doesn't lean enough in either direction. It kind of tries to toe the line in the middle a little too much. So it's not a scary enough horror film. And I feel like because it's trying to do the horror piece of it, it takes away from the the character drama part of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, it didn't really resonate, especially somebody who was wanting more of the horror side. So, I don't think I could recommend it. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Uh, last thing real quick, Connor. Uh, talk about the uh, Dark Pictures Anthology with Little Hope. You played this with our friend David. Yes. And I'm looking forward to playing this again with you as okay. well. Okay. Uh, at some point, because so you and I played the Dark Pictures Man of Madon. Yes, remember that? and that was a lot of fun. I am more excited to replay each of these games now because prior the the day before I decided to start Little Hope, David and I said let's play through the first game because I don't think he had beaten the first game yet. Okay, and we had an entirely different experience. I'm talking like night and day compared to what you and I had. And I was like, wow, the story can be this different. Interesting. And so I'm going to do my best to avoid spoilers with this one because I know that you and I are going to play it. And uh, so Little Hope takes place in this town that was um, one of the centers for the Salem Witch Trials, basically. Not in... Or the, the witch trials, not in Salem, but, you know, you know what I'm saying. So it, there were witch trials held in this town. So the film, the film, wow, my brain is on autopilot. Hey, now you know how I feel. Hey, you know, sometimes. Every single Sorry. day, just, just brain fog. Oh, uh, I know. The So the game takes place initially in what I believe is the 70s, and it is this family home where there's a bunch of, like, foster children and they all dislike the daughter because she's kind of weird. The youngest daughter, they, they dislike her because she's kind of weird. All the other kids kind of don't like her or kind of want to stick clear of her. And the little girl goes and locks all of the rooms in the house and then sets the house on fire. And all of the characters in the house, all the, the children and the parents in the house, except for one, end up dying in horrible different ways. Trying to escape, or being asphyxiated, or having things fall on them, or they try to jump out a window and die, you know, 
different ways, right? And so it, it fast forwards to the modern times, and there's this bus driver with a bus full of um, a, a with a teacher and some college students, and they are diverted through this town where the witch trials were held. There, the bus driver sees something in the road and swerves and crashes, and the people on the bus end up exiting the bus, you know, tending to their wounds, and then they can't find the bus driver, and everything in front of the, front of them is covered with fog. And if they walk towards the fog, they end up walking right back in the same direction. Okay. So the only option they're presented with is to walk further into the town. Mm-hmm. So they proceed further into the town, and as they proceed further, they start seeing more weird occurrences. They will see people from the you know, uh, the witch trial era and they will grab them on the arm and they'll have these premonitions of different people that were executed and accused of being a witch. And what they find out is that all of these characters that they're seeing look just like them. Oh, that's creepy. So they're basically seeing their doppelganger from a different era be murdered for... Being a witch. Being a witch. Okay. And so you have to kind of figure out, um, is there actually a witch or is there not? Who's the actual bad person? Can we stop this and keep the characters alive? And that's all I really want to say because there's quite a few really interesting plot twists, kind of like there was with Man of a Dawn. Right. right? And so I won't go too much into that because I want you going blind, of course. So what I will say that I liked about this game was I thought the concept was very interesting. I thought the plot twists were very interesting and cool. And uh, I just think the overall aesthetic of walking through this foggy town and these foggy roads kind of gave me a very uh, like Silent Hill vibe in a way. What I did not like was it seemed like David and I we're making all of the right choices, right? Mm-hmm. We were having the characters work together. We were trying to be non-confrontational. We were trying to make the choice that was the most like heroic, I would say. Like, oh, somebody trips and falls. Do we go back and help them? Of course we go back and help them, right? And it seemed like the game did not want you to make those choices because we, despite making all these good choices, still lost a couple characters along the way. Right. And what I think the game was wanting us to do, now that I've played through it once, is it wanted us to play the characters with their own distinct personalities. So if somebody was an abrasive asshole, you're supposed to play them like an abrasive asshole, which I didn't really like, because then I kind of feel like if you're going to go that route... Just make it a linear story. Mm-hmm. Because if my choices don't necessarily matter, like if I can't shape these characters and give them character growth, right? And, you know, maybe the asshole character in the beginning becomes a hero by the end, right? right. If, if I'm punished for making that choice, is there really a choice? That's the way I look at it, right? Mm-hmm. So that was my hang up with the game but i still want to play it because it, it was cool yeah it it sounds really cool i'm I'm totally down for these uh dark pic- picture games they're always just so much fun super massive makes some pretty cool experiences yeah they really do okay so tonight we'll be talking about captain toad treasure tracker and headliner navi news but before we get into it connor let's get through this massive massive physical list Oh, yeah. As I was typing this up, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to go on forever. And it's not because we missed a week. It's because the week that we're going to talk about has a ton of stuff. I will be catching us up on some stuff that we would have talked about. There's only like two or three games that we would have talked about last week. So, you know, it's it's a lot. So so let's let's just uh, let's speed do the Let's speed run this, Connor. Oh, God, I don't want to speed run, but here we go. Um, speed read. Go. Three, two, one, go. You, you don't want that. <laughs> uh, so the first game is the Red Colony Trilogy. It's $30, only on Switch, and it's a Play Asia exclusive. 
It includes the whole trilogy of the Red Colony games, three games, uh, on a one, on one cartridge, and it's a 2D side-scrolling horror action game. Uh, there's puzzles, scare scenes, and little ammo. It's an anime-style game with attractive female cast. It's an homage to the classics of the genre. Environmental and realistic sound for more terrifying experience as well. Uh, a limited edition version is available for 40 which includes a soundtrack and a poster. And pre-orders began August 18th for that one. I believe it's a limited amount, but I couldn't find on the site how many units it was limited to. So mm-hmm. just keep that in mind if you want to order it. If it's still available by the time this episode comes out. Yeah. Which hopefully it hopefully. is. Um, the next one is Metaloid Origin, which is approximately $24. It's on Switch, and on it's approximately $20 on PS4. It's limited to 5,000 and 2,000 units, respectively. Bless you. No, I had to burp. Sorry. Oh. Uh, it was a, <laughs> it's a Video Games Plus exclusive for the ESRB version, and Metaloid Origin is the sequel to the run-and-gun classic Metagal. Take the role of three Predator androids as they defend their world against the robot army of Lucian Corp. Each playable character offers distinct advantages. Erica can flood the screen with bullet fire. Zeta uses atomic thunder to strike hard and fast, while Neva employs a jetpack to fly across levels and attack from above. As one of these warriors, you'll have to traverse forests, deserts, caves, and snowfields to stop the invaders before they drain the planet's resources and fuel a galactic war. Use Solrium, dropped by defeated robots, to unlock new weapons at any time and gain the power needed to take down menacing bosses. Pre-orders began for this one on August 18th. Okay. I think this one's limited as well. Again, uh, it was different based on platform, so 5,000 and 2,000. So there's more Switch copies available. So if you want a PS4 copy, get in there quick. Yep. So the next one is Armed Emith. It's $35. Only on PS5 as the PS4 version uh, was sold out at this time. It's a limited run games exclusive. And so Valis, a boy earning petty cash in a commune of drifters, is suddenly met by Locke, a standalone golem. Upon discovering that the leader of a criminal organization has an enormous bounty on his head, Valis receives a golem of his own from Locke and decides to join him on an adventure into the unknown where numerous bounties await. Thus begins their journey of grit and oil across several continents. Uh, Unfortunately, pre-orders ended August 21st, so by the time you're hearing this, it will be gone. But there typically are other sites that you can end up buying these from for just a slight markup. So if you're interested, there you go. It's worth trying at least. Yeah. Sorry, Um, guys. Yeah. There's one more like that too. Sorry, but it is the way it is. Uh, The next one is Night Trap. It's $35. It was uh, only on PS5. It's a limited run games exclusive. And you take control of a bizarre house of horrors in which a family of vampires and their ghoulish slaves stalk unsuspecting young guests. Your mission? Help Dana Plato rescue these five teenagers by trapping their predators as they roam through the property in search of fresh blood. Your lightning-quick decisions are all that stand between the intended victims and the unspeakable fate at the hands of inhuman bloodsuckers. A collector's edition is also available for $120. That includes a collector's box, documentary, script, and two figures. Pre-orders ended for this one on August 21st. The next one is kind of a long one because there's a lot of versions of this game. Uh, it is Saints Row. The oh, damn, this releases in a couple of days. Yep, I know mine. I ordered two copies, one for me and one for my wife. Yeah, and uh, I think both of them are shipped. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's available on PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Series X, and PC. Uh, discover the weird Wild West. Dive into Santa Ileso, the biggest and best Saints Row playground ever. Spread across nine unique districts, surrounded by the vast, majestic beauty of the Southwest dev- Desert. <clears throat> Build your criminal empire. Take over the city block by block. Wage war against enemy factions and tighten your grip on the streets with ingenious criminal ventures. Fire guns. Lots of guns. Shoot revolvers from the hip. Fire and forget with rocket launchers or obliterate up close using melee heavyweights. Complete with brutal takedowns. Take to the streets and skies. Blast through urban and desert environments in any one of the cars, bikes, planes, helicopters, VTOLs, hover bikes, hoverboards, go-karts, or equip your wingsuit to swoop around. It has unprecedented, unprecedented customization. Create the boss of your dreams with the most extensive character customization suite ever seen in the series. Then complete the look with incredible options for weapons and vehicles. 
There's a Legacy Edition exclusive to Best Buy. It is $90 and includes the Expansion Pass, Idols Anarchy Pass, and Saints Row the Third Remastered, a digital copy. A Notorious Edition is exclusive to GameStop. Uh, it is $90, includes the Steelbook, Expansion Pass, Poster, Mini Art Book, four postcards, four art cards, and two DLC packs. This game releases August 23rd. I am unsure about this game because I, I liked the uh, Saints Row games uh, when I was younger. I liked the first and second one specifically. Uh, the third was okay, and I felt like they were trying too hard um, after that. But who knows? Like, I don't remember who developed the first four games. I know it's a different developer that developed this game. Yeah, I... I'm kind of optimistic about this one because while this one does sound weird and wacky in some ways, I think they jumped the shark a bit too much with the previous entries. Like you basically became a superhero who could fly around. Yeah. Like that eh, like, it took they, it too far. It's I think. like, I, I understand um, like the whole saints row stick was it being a wackier version of grand theft auto. Yeah. But there's a limit and that's why I think saints row two is the best edition of Saints Row because it was wacky, mm-hmm. but just grounded enough. Yeah, exactly. And I'm hoping this kind of grounds it back again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, there's still the weird vehicles and shit, you know, like all that stuff, weird guns, but we don't need aliens and superheroes and, oh, you're playing as the president of the United States. Like, it's, it got to be too much. Yeah. <laughs> like, one of my favorite moments in, this, in the uh, second Saints Row game was the middle finger foam finger mm-hmm. and then because for one that one would make your punch stronger and then you can activate a super punch cheat and those combined together would send them flying into orbit yeah <laughs> i would just play the entire game just whack 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 <laughs> it's great it, it, yeah it, it would it would send cars flying a little bit too yeah, I I never finished the more recent ones, despite purchasing them on PS4 when they got remastered. They because, just got boring. Yeah, I got burnt out on them. I it was a little too much. Mm-hmm. I think, like, oh man, like especially with the second game, how you can how you can streak. Yeah, it's like the shit like that. But anyway, moving on. The next one is Fallen Legion: Rise to Glory and Fallen Legion: Revenants Deluxe Edition. It's a double pack, sixty dollars. Available on PS5, Xbox One, and Series X. The Fallen Legion series is making its debut on PS5 with Fallen Legion, Rise to Glory, Fallen, and Fallen Legion Revenants. Uh, in this exciting collection, every choice you make determines life or death. What kind of leader will you be? With over 20 different endings and branching storylines, no two playthroughs will be the same. Challenge yourself with real-time combat and a brand new grid system exclusive to Fallen Legion Revenants that expands your strategy options. Additionally, this release features new characters, returning voice actors, including Zoe Zieja, or Joe Zieja, and Erica Harlicker, and new boss battle scenarios. Master your exemplar skills to unlock new abilities and show off your fighting skills in this dynamic double pack of action titles. It includes a digital soundtrack and a mini art. Releases August 23rd. All right. The next one is the Mutant Muds Collection for $30. It's only on Switch. And it is currently a limited run games exclusive, but there was some drama because it was a super rare games exclusive at one point. Really? That is somehow getting a reprint uh, that is limited to 1,500 copies. Uh, It's the greatest collection of muddy games under one roof. Revisit the platforming fun of the award-winning Mutant Muds Deluxe and Mutant Muds Super Challenge on your Nintendo Switch. But wait, there's more. A brand new game has been added to the collection. Fend off the rising muds from below in the new explosive puzzler, Mud Blocks. Pre-orders open August 23rd. All right, we're almost done, guys. We're getting there. We're getting there. No, no we're actually not almost done. We're about halfway through. <laughs> Fuck! There's a lot. Hey, we're getting really physical this week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the next game is Idol Manager. It is $32. It's on Switch, PS4, and PS5, and it is a Japan exclusive, but it has English. Uh, Idol Manager is a business sim about conquering the entertainment industry using any means you deem necessary. You take on the role of a manager at a small but growing talent agency. 
As you cultivate and train the newest generation of young pop stars, you'll have to decide who to hire and who to fire, who gets promoted when things go well, and who gets reprimanded when things go sour. The personal lives of these young celebrities are a part of your business, and a life of a pop star isn't always a happy one. Their crowning personal achievements can be your greatest commercial success, but their emotional meltdowns and PR nightmares can spell a financial disaster for your company. It's not just the idols you have to worry about. The world is full of gossip magazines, super fans, and rival groups, all thirsty for a scoop of the latest scandal. There are a lot of people who want to tear you down and are willing to play dirty, but try not to let it get to you. It's not personal. It's business. Releases August 25th. This looks fascinating. Oh, yeah. I saw that and I was like, this seems like a very unique and fun game. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the next one uh, just got announced today. So I, this one barely squeaked in. Um, it's a short hike. It's approximately $36, only on Switch, and it's a Super Rare Games exclusive, limited to 4,500 copies. You set off as Claire and prepare to hike, climb, and soar through the peaceful mountainside landscapes of Hawk Peak Provincial Park. Explore the backcountry, meet other hikers, discover hidden treasures, and immerse yourself in the beautiful world around you in this relaxing and cute adventure game. Pre-orders begin August 25th. Yes, sir. The next one is In Other Waters. It is $35, only on Switch, and it's a one-print games exclusive. A lone xenobiologist adrift in an alien ocean plays an artificial intelligence guiding a stranded xenobiologist through a beautiful and mysterious alien ocean, a non-violent sci-fi story entering a world of wonder, fear, and vulnerability, unraveling the history and ecology of an impossible planet. What will you discover together? Releases August 26th. Oh, man. This looks cool, too. Yeah, I, I'm pretty interested in that one. I like how it's specified a non-violent sci-fi story. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, I don't know, man. If it's, just, if it's just something where I can explore, so yeah. Hell yeah, dude. All right, down to the last two, if my throat will hold out. Giggity. Um, (laughs) the the next one is Pac-Man World Repack for $30. It's on Switch, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Series X. Uh, Feed your appetite for adventure. First released in 1999, Pac-Man World saw Pac-Man's exciting debut to the 3D platforming genre. This first entry in the Pac-Man World trilogy went on to sell 1.5 million units worldwide. Now the remaster fans have requested is nearly here. In Pac-Man World Repack, Pac-Man arrives home on his birthday to find the ghost of kidnapped Pac-Man's family and friends and ruined his party. Pac-Man must set out to adventure through the six areas of Ghost Island to rescue his family and friends and face off against the ghost boss, Talkman. With polished graphics, enhanced gameplay, and updated features, Pac-Man World Repack is action platforming fun for both experienced Pac fans and Pac enthusiasts the world over. Releases August 26th. All right. And now the last one. Woo! Here we go. All right. The last one is Soul Hackers 2. It's $60. It's on PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Series X. This game is the sequel to Devil Summoner Soul Hackers. Join Ringo and Figue, or Figu, I don't really know, in this latest installment of the Megami Tensei series as they fight to save humankind from the brink of destruction. Amidst the glimmer of neon lights, technological advancement causes humans to be consumed by commercial convenience. In the shadows, a war between the Yadagarasu and the Phantom Society is brewing. Devil summoners who harness the otherworldly powers of demons existing in the area... Hold on, that was weird. Okay, existing in the secret sea of humanity's data, a digital hive mind has evolved into sentience, Aeon. Observing humankind from afar, Aeon calculates that a world-ending disaster is imminent and creates two agents to combat against it, Ringo and Figui. Together, these agents of Aeon must investigate and prevent a butterfly effect that will lead to the end of the world. Releases August 26th. Woo, man. All right, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you do a little bit of talking <laughs> in the beginning there. Woo. It's all good. I completely understand. So, as we stated earlier, we're uh, talking about Captain Toad Treasure Tracker and Nave News. Hello. Here, here you are ma- making voices after, after. I had to do it. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <It's>, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it just reminds me of that role play we get where if, what if uh, Toad got stopped by the police. 
Oh. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. Heads up! Don't shoot! <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna need a warrant. <laughs> you pick. I know my rights. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker is developed by One Up Studio and Nintendo. And it was released initially in 2014 for the uh, Wii U, and then released in 2018 for the Switch and 3DS. Um, how long to beat.com says you can beat this in about seven hours or and 18 hours for a completionist? I kind of call bullshit on that. I think it takes about probably 15 hours to beat because there's 82 levels in this game. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, you can get this for Wii U, 3DS, and Switch. Um, the story is it, um, when Toadette is kidnapped while sending a tower uh, with Toad to claim a power star, Toad journeys to, to track her down. So <clears throat> I love the simplicity of this game. Um, you play as Toad, and, and actually later you play as Toadette. Um, and both characters have a lot of charm. Um, like... You go into a cave or go over a, a balcony. Toad will will scream o- over a balcony, like kind of like how you would yell "Echo," mm-hmm. you know, st- stuff like that. Only it's Toad going "Wah!" It's fun to think that this game was literally a spinoff mini game from uh, Super Mario 3D World on the Wii U that got so popular that they're like, "Well, let's make a whole game out of it." Yeah, exactly. And so, all right. So the concept of this game is that it's a it's it's a isometric look of the game where you cannot jump because toad has has a big bag on on him mm-hmm. the concept of the game is you solve a navigation puzzle mm-hmm. by rotating the map yeah um like literally rotating up down left right a full like 3d map the rotation idea of of this game is absolute genius like there, there's probably other games that have done this. I'm pretty sure Fez kind of does this, mm-hmm. but not as in depth as this. Yeah. Um, there's some other gameplay um, elements too. You can stun e- enemies by just tapping the tapping the screen. Yeah. Um, and so, some of the um, levels as well are touch based. Yeah. There are bonus levels. The bonus levels basically they just give you uh, coins to earn like extra lives and everything. And what's really cool about this game is that all the objectives are optional except to get that gold star at the end. Mm-hmm. You do not have to pick up the gems. You don't have to find the hidden toad. You don't have to even collect all the coins. Yeah. You just you would you unlock more stuff if you do, but you don't have to. You have to get just enough of the gems to unlock the next section of the game. Yeah. Basically. And it's it's very generous. Yeah. So I think I have like sixty seven gems, and I haven't. Hit, hit that wall yet i didn't finish this game just because as i said there's 82 levels and mm-hmm. i'm a busy man so um and each level is really unique like mm-hmm. one level does not look the same as the last one and each one has a completely different aesthetic a different theme um it's all around great yeah um, they all provide a good amount of challenge without it feeling impossible. I think so. I love this game, dude. I love this game. It's a lot of fun. It's one of my wife's favorite games. I remember she would love all the Captain Toad levels in uh, 3D World, which we used to play it on the Wii U back when we first started dating. And uh, when the Captain Toad came out on the Wii U. We bought that as well. Mm-hmm. And we played through that together, just kind of taking turns on the gamepad. And uh, so I've, I've played through it once before, but this version adds a lot of new features um, that I think the other ones didn't have. So there's co-op. Yeah. So my wife and I have been playing this game co-op together, um, just because I know how much she likes it. And um, they added... I think there maybe was Amiibo support on the Wii U, but it has Amiibo support, and it has VR support. Yeah, I saw that. So if you have the Nintendo Labo VR, which I do, uh, you can do VR with it. Um, I'm, I was thinking about busting that out at some point and trying it. I, I'm really interested in how that works. Does, does it go into first-person mode Do you, as Toad in first-person, or do you just use the VR to rotate the map? I don't know. I, that's why I'm curious. I'm tempted I to YouTube break it, it out. Yeah. But... I think it seems uh, 
like a, a really definitive experience for it. Nintendo really supported this game. They added a lot of features. There's actually even DLC for it, which I went ahead and I picked yeah, up. Yeah, you picked it up on sale. Yeah. So if you get a chance, I definitely would, would play this. I think it's great. Um, it's great for couples, too. Mm-hmm. If you want to sit down and, and play together and solve the puzzles. There were some ones that that stumped us. And when we figured out how to solve them, we're like, oh, gosh, I feel stupid. Like Some of them are so... I don't know what you want to call them. Not dumb, but like simplistic that you overthink them. And then right. there's ones that are actually challenging too. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a good. What, mix. what was probably your, what was probably your favorite level? My favorite one. Hmm. There, there's a lot. Or, or, or if anything, um, I guess you, I guess not really your favorite. Just one that really like sticks out in your memory. One that stuck out to me just because we were like yelling the entire time was the not yelling at each other but like <laughs> screaming like toad <laughs> the entire time <laughs> was the the lava level where there's that dragon that comes up out oh, and he's shooting yeah. fire when you're playing with two of you if one person steps out a little bit sooner he'll start breathing and like I tell you we I avoided fire by like a hair a couple times <laughs> and I was like ah! You're like screaming as Toad running across. Ah! Yeah, I was doing that while we were running. And so that one was a really like funny one for me. So I, I'll say that one. That was a good one. Yeah, I'm I think my favorite one was the literally like the or the level where you were literally on rails. Yes, yes, I remember that one. And uh and you were throw and you had to throw onions or radishes or whatever. Yeah, radishes, they are. yeah. Um at in order to get your gems and kill enemies. It was super fast-paced. It was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. We, and, were, we were yelling on that one, too, I think. <laughs> and and as I, as I stated in, or as I stated earlier, there are additional things you can do on these maps. Like, there's always, like, a map challenge. Like, go, like, go through the entire level without a shy guy spotting you mm-hmm. or... Think things that completionists want. You need to get the stamp. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of my favorite things about this game is trying to find the hidden toad. Th- yeah. Those are a lot of fun. They they get so difficult. One of them, maybe it was 3D World. You had to find a hidden Luigi. Mm-hmm. I remember that, and I think they stole that from from that. Now you have to find yeah. the hidden toad. And I, I haven't finished uh, 3D. Super Mario 3D World. It's a good game. But it's long though. It's a very long yeah. game. Oh, I I I, rem- I remember one of my favorite levels. It's it was the one. It was it was, it was in the beginning of the game where you would step on a button and it would create a clone of yourself, and you had yeah. to navigate both of those clones through a map. The little cherries. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I those are my favorite levels in in Mario 3D World. I still think it's funny when you get the axe and you just go freaking ham, the little yeah. pickaxe. Yeah, that's good. But, oh, man, I, I love this game. I, this is a game I want to have a sequel or, like, I'm tempted to buy the DLC for because I just want more levels. Yeah. Man, this, this is the thing, man. I've, I, I've mentioned this before, which, by the way, I think this is our first Nintendo game that we've talked about, Nintendo exclusive game that we talked about in the new format. Maybe so. But I don't understand. Like, Nintendo always comes up with these super simple concepts that when you hear about it, be like, I'm not sure how I feel about that. But when you play it, you're like, this game's awesome. Yeah. I don't know how th- I don't know how they do it. They made a mini game into an entire game, and it's not boring. Like, you would get burnt out on a mini game. No. You know? This game is like a 9 out of 10 for me. I'd say probably like an, an 8.5. Be- and... Me. And here's the thing, like, I haven't beat the game, but I intend to at some point. It's just there's so many other games I need to play. Yeah, but I, I give it an eight point five just because, like, for me, um, it can be a little challenging when playing in the co-op mode. I know this is a little bit of a nitpick, but depth perception plays a big you know, a, a big point in this, right? Right. And so if someone else is moving the screen around, you can very easily walk off a ledge while your, you know, your other partner player is moving the screen around. So that's my one gripe. But mm-hmm. honestly, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's one of those games I have to play in like bursts, though. 
Yeah, because I can get like temporary burnout on it. I think that that's what I mean. That that that's actually a better way to put it. That's kind of how I feel too. Yeah, it, you 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 want to go back and play it, but like I could do like ten to twenty levels, and I'm like, all right, I gotta I gotta put it down for oh, a little yeah, that's, bit. That's that's even less less for me. It's like, and again, nothing nothing to do with the game. Is just especially with with my brain conditions, I can only play maybe like four before I get burned out. Yeah, especially near the end of the day when my brain fog is at the at the absolute worst. Yeah, I think our first playthrough we did sixteen or eighteen levels. Yeah, but yeah. So, but yeah, moving on to a another to our last game of the of the night, Headliner Navi News. This is developed by Unbound Creation and released in twenty eighteen. At the fastest, you can beat this game in forty minutes. At the most. If you're really kind of getting invested in the story and everything, it's about three hours. Yeah. Um, you can get this for Xbox, uh, PlayStation, PC, slash Mac, and Switch. Um, the story is you play as a news editor and decide what gets published, which is uh, in this fictional s- country or city. I'm pretty sure it was a... S- it, it wasn't really clear. You're a city in a country. Yeah, city <laughs> in a country where most of the people are genetically modified yeah with mods from a neighboring country Mm -hmm. so uh, i remember a while back you and i were talking about now that you got me into anime and i'm a little weeblet now that you were going to try to get me into visual novels Mm -hmm. would you consider this almost a visual novel no no no, i wouldn't okay I i would say it is maybe like a life sim game okay but not quite a visual novel because you're you're still controlling a character on a screen you're interacting with objects on the screen whereas a visual novel the most you get is choices gotcha okay um the art style is a mix of 2d and 3d um the 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 parts when when you're talking to your buddies or the characters um it's all in 2d like the character design is in 2d but when you move uh, your character in, in the apartment, it's kind of in this crude, sty- stylistically crude, mm-hmm. um, 3D models. Yes. Um, this concept is so cool. I loved playing this game. The whole gameplay loop of this is you work at your desk and you approve or deny articles Written by different um, journalists working within the news station. Yeah, you're like the editor in chief. Mm-hmm. And and you would witness the consequences go th- both good and bad, mostly bad, um, <laughs> by depending on what you approve or deny. Um, and the public opinion is swayed by what you, by what you approve and deny. And in some mo- some moments of the game, your pay is dependent on what you publish. So you have all these choices. It's a very papers please, um, in spirit. They actually make reference like a nod to papers. Please yeah, they at one do. Point. Um, all the art, the articles on your desk always seem to have two sides, and even some articles share the same side but different perspectives. Yeah. Um, the game does mostly a good job of remaining neutral. Which I'm not sure sure how I feel how I feel about it in in one aspect, I think that's the point where the the creators of the game try to remain, they they give you these situations and try to remain neutral and let the player decide what they want. Yeah, which kind of surprised me because one of the loading screens is I mentioned it to you. It's a dig at Brett Kavanaugh, who's a well known conservative uh judge in the united states he's a supreme court just yeah yeah justice he's also a piece of garbage but that's beside the point <laughs> yeah they they mention uh crying over beer and calendars which is a reference to his trial uh not, not trial but his uh i guess this was a trial a hearing his confirmation yeah hearing, where where he was a- accused of, of sexual assault um and so I thought that was funny, and I was like, "Oh, maybe this game has a bit of a, a liberal tinge to it." Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that's the case. I kind of got the feeling that they were trying to like toe the line in the middle too. Um, and I think if I had known 
the state of the country that you live in prior to playing this game, I would have made different choices. Um, so the game is designed for multiple playthroughs. It is. You, you, your character lives in a fascist country. Yes. A very like, like, uh, forced labor camps and shit like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm curious, I don't want to derail if you had something else you wanted to say, but I'm curious how your game ended because it can be different for everyone based on your choices. Um, my game ended with um, my boss getting arrested. Yep, same here. My brother getting arrested. And get put in in an internment camp? Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel bad because um, when he got arrested, um, the bail was 200 uh, of the currency. Well, let's call it dollars. It was $200. Yeah. I didn't have the money at the time because I was trying to do the right thing by... by um, you helped the homeless man, didn't you? I helped the homeless I man. I did too. Yeah. <laughs> and I also posted uh or I, I approved the articles that the uh brown coat guy, part of the truth tellers. Yep, I did too. Um, which it's it's hard to say whether they act like the like anonymous or QAnon. It's 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 um I don't know what side they're on. Exactly. It's 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 very ambiguous of what side they're on. I kind of went with them just because they were against the president who is clearly a fascist because he was making like threats against you if you say anything wrong against him. And I was like, well, a good person wouldn't do that. Like, so and, anything and against him is good. And and also him him bad mouthing um, Navi News, which a strong leader wouldn't wouldn't do. Yeah. Plus, he's very uh, racist towards the other country that's nearby. Yeah. And it's it's really unfortunate too because one of your coworkers and potential love interest is not from the country. She's an immigrant. Did you romance her? Oh, I I romanced her. Oh, I romanced her too. Because man, she, did we have the same ending? I don't know. But I think we're on the same like she, wavelength. Like she was she was such an engaging, awesome character, and she's one like her and and. My brother is one of the reasons why I wanted um, socialized health care. I did that too. <laughs> but and see, that's the thing. See, now that I know that, because I didn't catch it at first, but now that I know that the game started with a fascist leader, yes, you can clearly tell that the government deliberately sabotaged the socialized health care. Yes, yes. So all the things you did with the best of intentions by the end of the game ended up backfiring against you um and so what did you do with the whole beer thing um the synthetic I, I, beer. I i flipped i flipped flopped honestly okay because my my thought was was i i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna worry about it and everything i'm not i'm not gonna promote it when the store owner that you would frequently visit talked about um his his mingling business and and him thinking about um selling better buzz which is the name of the drink i'm thinking well he needs to make money he needs to make ends meet maybe i should do something about it so he mm -hmm. can be able to provide for his daughter okay what happened to him um he shut he shut down his store completely yep same here mm -hmm. but i did the opposite thing i told him not to do it and then it turned out that bad things happened with that alcohol and everybody turned against it and then he still went under. So there was nothing. Mm -hmm. And then I advised him to go work for that big company. Yeah. <laughs> this this game this this game really seems to touch base on on a lot of very serious issues that we're experiencing today. And yeah. so like and and there are, and the characters that you interact like your brother, your love interest, the store owner, and everything. They they all kind of have um, attributes that that you would experience um, in today's in today's world. Like mm -hmm. with the socialized healthcare, your love interest, potential love interest, is unsure about it because she has a existing condition, and you know she doesn't want long wait lines and stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. But your brother, who who has admitted he has mental health issues, loves it because he can have access to therapy. Yes. And then you also have um, issues with national security. Um, there, there are articles that that approach your desk that really emphasize um, uh, immigrants attacking citizens. Yes. And the store owner is very xenophobic. Yes. 
and he's and pro security and ev- and everything. Um, and and while your store owner's daughter, it's heavily implied that she is maybe somewhat ADHD or 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 of some kind. Yeah. Where um, the store owner gives her medicine to mellow her out to the point where she lost all of, like, she just lost interest in the things she used to love. Mm-hmm. It's super. It's super grim. Yeah, and I think the hard part is too is like. You know, you have this this police brutality that's going on as well, mm-hmm. and y- you do have to walk the line because if you think about it in real life, if if you only highlight crimes that people of color or people from a different country commit, what are you showing the people? But if you do what I did, which was highlight the domestic crimes more. Um, you give the people this impression, and they mentioned it, that, oh, well, our town's just gone to a mess. Everybody's crazy. Everybody's losing their minds. So it's like, what do you say? And if you don't tell them anything is wrong, are you being disingenuous? You know, mm-hmm. are you not telling the truth? And so it's it makes you make hard choices. And the one thing I will say I don't necessarily like about it is you don't have enough context on a lot of things. Yeah. And it makes everything black and white. That, that I was gonna mention something like I I wish it wasn't so black and white. I wish there was a little bit more nuance in some of these articles yeah. because the articles that that approach your desk, you you get you get a headline and just a blurb. Yeah, I almost wish it was possible if you can read the full article. Yes, because a good editor would read the full article. And so, I don't know if that's really the point where you just have to approve and deny based on the blurb, and then you have to witness your actions. I, I, it could be trying to say that, you know, sometimes you don't always have all the information. Mm-hmm. But I think they could have done that a little bit better by having it be like, some of the articles you can read all of it, but some of them you're in a hurry. So you have to approve them just off the headline. Like, that could have been better because... Then at least sometimes you're given context. Sometimes you just don't have it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's again. This is why I feel like it. In some aspects, it's like papers, please, and other aspects, why paper, please, papers, please has a bit more in depth because um, there are things that come back in papers, please, that are given context. Yeah. Whereas headliner is more is more simplistic. Which, in some aspects, is good. Like, Papers, Please gets super fucking depressing. And especially when it comes to, like, sometimes your kids will get sick and you don't make that much money. It's the, the whole concept of Papers, Please is stress. Yeah. Whereas this game is all about depress. <laughs> Depression. Yeah. This game, is, was, this game was fucking grim and depressing. Yeah. I think... In I, a good way. I, I have... As we've been discussing it, I've been going back and forth on if I like this game more or like this game less, if I'd give it a higher, give it a lower score. And I, I'm landing somewhere in the middle around like a 7.5. I guess it's not really the middle. It's, it's higher end. But the reason I say that is maybe that's the point. You know how it felt like no matter what we chose – it ended up bad, even choosing things with the best of intentions. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's the point because we didn't know that we were in a fascist state until we found out at the end when all the stuff we thought was fair. You know, I think it really like it hit home for me when the uh, the head of your company was arrested, and right. then it, like further dug it in when you went to check on your brother at the police station. They're like. What brother? No one was here. I don't know what you're talking about. They play dumb. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, it's a fascist state. You know, I thought at first it was just like kind of how the United States is where there's like there's a heavy police presence where we're having those conversations about surveillance. And, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. this is the future state of that because there's drones and stuff everywhere watching people. I was like, maybe this is just a. A, a look at what the future of the United States could be. But in reality, it's like a combination of 
what the United States could be in a current fascist country, you know? Right. Ugh. But I, I, I want to give this game about, about a 7.5 because playing the game and reading and proving denying articles with, with different challenges and everything and interacting with the characters, all that was great. Mm-hmm. But the events that play out in the game was not. Yeah. And it made me feel bad and... I'm not going to lie when it said there are times where it kept me awake at night. Mm -hmm. And it made me sad because it's one of those things where I try to play games to get away from the reality. Yeah. And even though I appreciate games like this that try to, that try to at least give, give me a voice or, or give me some form of control. It's that the fact that there is no control. Yeah. It kind of illustrates, I think, how hopeless it could be even for the best people living in a country like this too mm-hmm. like we we like to tell ourselves as we sit on our ivory tower using that as like i guess a metaphor here for this but um as we live on our ivory tower like oh these people that live in these countries why don't they just do something about it you know why don't they just make different choices why did the media lie for them why does this happen why does this happen you know we wouldn't do that but then this shows you what would happen if they tried to do that. Mm-hmm. It still ended bad. Yeah. There were very few successes that my character had. We helped one homeless person. We found love. And we got universal health care approved. But it was shit. Sabot- it, was it was sabotaged. sabotaged. Yeah. It's- That's the only thing we accomplished. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about my... my um my th- my thoughts about the socialized healthcare off air because that that's that's off topic but um it's it, it's a good thing people I, i'm 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 for socialized healthcare we both are yeah. yeah but overall that's pretty much has to has to do it with us um let me look real fast see what next week's games are here um okay so next week we'll We'll be talking about A Winter's Daydream and Dollhouse. I have not heard about any of these games. Well, you mentioned a visual novel, and you asked if our last game was oh. Winter's Daydream is a visual oh, novel. Oh, you got, you got something. Is, is that the one you we wanted to do together? No. Okay. Dollhouse was the horror game, and I thought we could do that together as kind of a pre-Halloween Ooh, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for reminding me. Guys, the whole month of October... So for the four episodes in October, we're all doing horror games. I've already picked out all the short ones that I could find, and we're going to pick through those uh, as we choose our October games. Yes, I'm so excited for Halloween. I'm so excited for the spooky season. I love the spooky season. I love fall. Spooky time. Ah, spooky cast. Yes, exactly. Thank you guys so much for listening. Like and subscribe if, if you like the show. Tell your friends about it. Or if you hate us... Still tell your friends about uh, about it. Maybe they'll give us a listen and hate with you or like it. I don't care. Maybe your friends are cooler than you. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see you guys next time. Bye.